Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on that. We're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. So I don't know about the two of you, lads, um, but that did not feel like a Munster Championship hurling match yesterday, lads. It was bizarre. Like, it was so weird. It was in Turles. It was two Munster teams. It was the Munster Championship. But I, I don't know, lads. JJ, I'll start with you. It felt like, you know, it felt like a challenge match in training. I'm sure you, you had a lot of A versus Bs in Nolan Park that you could maybe it was the same thing. It, it was even a weird one. The ball was thrown in as a national anthem was going on. It just usually you associate the magic of the Munster Championship with the roar of the crowd, you know, the atmosphere, the colour, all those things, you know, the, the kind of gladiatorial hits and the, the, the scores being cheered and fanatic support. You know, none of that was there though yesterday. Now I'm not giving out. I'm delighted to have the game is back, but that was <laughs> <You're> sure, <laughs> <are you? laughs> but, but that 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 was that was like I, I don't know. It was it was a strange match, is the way I would say. Yeah, it's a strange match. And you, you look at the two games of the weekend as well, um very, very high scoring as well. And it, that's probably one big question that we have over the weekend. Is that what we have to look forward to now for the for the whole championship ahead? Um there's a lot of free scoring, a lot of kind of a loose ball play, no no kind of man to man kind of tackles, no big hits is what you were, you were saying earlier on as what you associate with definitely with the Munster Championship as well um, yeah it's I'm going to reserve judgement until next weekend um, I think this is when the proper championships is going to properly kick off the two you have the Leicester semi-finals and the Munster semi-finals next weekend so that was going to be huge itself um, yeah looking back in the last two games on the weekend it, it was kind of you score I score you score I score you know, it's kind of a glorified kind of a, a challenge match feel to it there as well but there and again, it's the first thing the players are used to getting the game in a big stadium as well. So that will kind of stand to the, the teams that played this weekend. That will stand to them next weekend when going ahead. So, um, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying, but I'm going to reserve judgment until the games next weekend. To be honest. Yeah. Well, well, you were in Croke Park, so you were yeah. there on Saturday night. Michael, you were watching on TV the same yeah. as me. And at least Sky had some... Now, Sky's sound effects are a little bit all over the place, their, their, their atmosphere. But I'm not going to lie, I'm a big fan of the atmosphere, the fake crowd noise. It gives you some sense of atmosphere overriding those hollow sounds of players shouting at each other. Yeah, uh, I, I agree, Willie. Like, just if there's a little hit and you hear a few cheers, it, it definitely adds to the game watching it on telly. Anyway, 
But um, look, John Coyley hit on it before the match yesterday. He said, like, driving in there to Thurles and having no crowd, having a bus go through no crowd and the players going through, he said it was surreal. But he also said the players were that bit calmer. So really right. that would be easier for them in this championship going to matches and having it's a little bit less pressure off them, I think, arriving and there's not thousands of people there. So. Oh yeah, well, Jesus! If if there's not a full stand shouting that you're useless, I'd say that's an awful lot less pressure to, to have on your shoulder. Well, in funny in funny way, JJ, we saw no players celebrating winning a free because there's no ones to celebrate too. <laughs> that's one good thing that might come out already. Right? The fist pumping is gone. Um, yeah, yeah, but just going going back in your point there, it's just weird on Saturday night. The two teams ran out and it was nothing. It was just you're kind of if you weren't looking at on the field and you wonder what was going on. It's, it was just so weird. A surreal feeling. I'd say it was a surreal feeling for the players as well. But as I said, the players are after going through that. The players that did play the last weekend are after going through it. So they might be a bit more used to next weekend again, you know. Yeah. Come here, have Sky changed their panel? Is Rachel Wise and Brian Carty um, gone for, for some new new fresh talent? No, um, Rachel's on maternity leave at the moment. And sure, uh, Brian Carty can't come over because of the COVID regulations at the moment too. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. yeah, look, they're still a part of it. But... Obviously, they, they, he can't come over because they have to quarantine for a couple of weeks before he comes over. And obviously, the, his, his proper his day job now would be the rugby league over in, in the UK as well. So, he, they, they couldn't, or unfortunately, couldn't travel, you know. All right. So, Brian Carney, not to be confused with Brian Carty, like I said. So, like, I mean, but <laughs> yeah. in, in fairness to, J, fairness to James e. O'Connor, he did some job anchoring that uh, analysis on his own, Michael. That's not easy to do without someone throwing questions at you. He had to wrap up one bit of analysis and move on to another one. Yeah, he was very good, Willie. Um Look, he's very thorough, I think. In his, I, I like watching James. I think he's very good and he hit points. But again, as I said, there's no one bouncing questions off you. It definitely makes it tougher. But look, he was seamless enough on Sky and um, I enjoyed watching. I thought the coverage was very good the weekend. Yeah, JJ especially says you uh, like it. JJ, just to pull you up on that point about the high scoring games, because Matty Kenny was talking after the match and he says, I know this has been referenced with the Premier League in England. Now, I'd never heard that. He says, playing in an empty Crow Park, the, the emotion of the crowd isn't there. The game seemed very open, I thought. There were lots of scores from both sides. Leash ran up a very good score as well. Not good enough, um, anyways. But Dublin scored 231, Limerick scored 36 points. Like, that's phenomenal scoring. Yeah, phenomenal scoring on both sides as well. It, they were seen to be very, very loose. Um, as I said, it was all kind of 15, 20 yard passes in both games, to be honest with you. you know, and Look, Dublin and Leash, they both played sweepers as well, but Dublin just played their sweeper very, very well. The first 10 minutes, they were um, hitting Amos Bob. After that, they kind of got it rectified. But, and Limerick played their, their kind of triangles, as what you say. Like they've always options. Limerick always have options when they're on the ball. But yeah, see, Leash, Leash scored 23 points and Clare scored 123. In a championship game before this before this year, you're probably aiming mid twenties, um, late twenties, yeah. and you could win any championship game. So, like your your bet, and the two teams were were bet well, but they're still scoring one twenty three and, and twenty three points. So that's where I'd say the the conversations come around the high scoring games. Yeah, it's just it's just Michael. It's just very hard to replicate the intensity of a summer's day with a huge crowd, and you're trying to replicate that level of intensity and that level of tackling, maybe you know, without any of that. Yeah, so you see a big hit going in, Willie, and as you said, there's no fist pumping because there's no crowd to cheer up, and they sort of a hit happens and play goes on, so there's not real yeah not recognition for a big hit. So, like it's still going on, definitely, but I don't think it's, it's um, highlighted too much during the games when you're watching them on telly, anyway. So, and I don't think the players feel it too much either because the game the game just continues. Yeah, like yeah. 
crowd loved it, but when there's no crowd there, you just sort of get up and get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was Gerard, I think Gerard Hegarty kind of half celebrated one one challenge yesterday, but that that was about it. Although Chris Crummy was doing a little bit of it on Saturday night. Now he was getting in less. He was and especially if he gets up for a score. So look, I thought he had a very good game, Chris, um, centre forward, and yeah. We're seeing that now, I think, with the athletic tall lad. You've seen Claire trying it with Davy Fitz. And I think it worked more more for Dublin. Like, Lucan have played Chris there in the championship for themselves a number of times. And he's a very effective up there because he's very comfortable in front of goal. So um, I think he, he'll add something there. But just, I'm afraid of what they're losing in the half-back line, to be honest with you, going forward. So... It's right, be- yeah, you might be robbing Peter to pay Paul. Danny Sutcliffe was up for a two, uh, JJ, on Saturday night. He was throwing himself around. And then, obviously, he had that terrible foot trip with the Hurley. Something <laughs> yeah. that you don't see that very often now. And, like, I mean, it was desperately cynical because it was on Paddy Purcell. And if it was a different player, he might not have bothered doing it. Like, he wasn't letting Paddy Purcell get ahead of steam. I don't know. Like, I mean, you're allergic to the black card. Should that be a red card? Uh, I don't think so. It would be a very, very harsh red card. Um, look, it was a free, maybe if they brought in the rule to say that it should be a, maybe a 21 yard or a penalty or something like that for a cynical foul. But uh, for something like that to give you a straight red card and Danny end up missing the, the semi-final now next next week as well because of something like that. But then if players knew that, sure, why wouldn't you just take them out completely altogether rather than just tap his ankles? You know the kind of way, you know, it's... Um, It'll bring in a different rule for that there as well. So, no, I, I wouldn't like to see that coming into the game. Look, even the foot trip or, or, or the black card, to be honest with you, yeah. or red card for something like that. But going back to Danny, look, he covered a huge amount of ground. I'd say he wasn't happy with his own performance in the Moor Park last, last year as well. Um, he took a long time to get on the ball last year, but he was there looking for the ball. So when the ball was thrown in there um, Saturday night, he wanted to get his hand on the ball and kind of feed his way into the game, which he did. Um, but he done a lot of work. Um, but the, the Dublin Dublin team are very very athletic, and, and they covered a huge amount of ground to prepare them. And they didn't really have set positions. They kind of had to go where they where they where the thought was right for the team. That's what they were doing. You know what I mean? So Matty and the lads in the line weren't actually telling Danny to go back into position. We're just going to whatever the danger is. You go and, and get that sorted. You know, right? Okay. We'll we'll, we'll talk about the we'll analyze that in in part two because I was I was disappointed with Leash Leash's performance. I know they were down players, but they didn't look like have anything like the running game that we saw last year um, for them. Donald Burke finally um, was honest at the end of this game, Michael. I I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about players saying that revenge isn't on our mind, right? So yeah, yeah Danny Cloughliffe. Sutcliffe denying it. You had um, Maddie Kenny denying it. And Donald Burke, who came out after the game, he says, we came out with, he was asked about the leash results last year. He says, yeah. we came out with that in the back of our minds. We wanted a bit of revenge for last year. We didn't do ourselves justice. But from tomorrow, we'll get our heads right for next week. He's gone away from the party line that revenge is not a big deal because we all know revenge is a huge motivating factor. <laughs> Absolutely, Uli. That was on all their minds. I, I've spoken to a few lads over the last week and that was definitely on their minds. But look, you can say it after the game. It's perfectly fine. But what's wrong, with, what's wrong with saying it before the game? What's people? Why are people allergic to admitting? Yeah, we'd like a bit of revenge. I don't know. They just they're, they're afraid to, I suppose, give anything away. You know, and the leash lads knew it was coming anyway. Like they, they yeah. knew it was going to go for revenge. So it's no secret. But I just most players they just don't want to give the media any talking points. I suppose so. Say nothing, you know. But like it's perfectly. I, I liked hearing it after the game as well. I thought he spoke very well. And look, he's a serious talent. He's been great for Nafina and. And he's on song, he's unstoppable. So, like, he'd some, some match yesterday. 
Yeah, he definitely did. What about you, JJ? Like, you missed 07. Like, Revenge Against Cork was a huge one. You were there 2011 when Revenge on Tipperary was a big one. Surely you're talking about getting revenge for last year. Oh, you have to, 100%. There's that in you at all. Um, as a group, and more, more, I suppose, more for the players themselves as individuals. A lot of players didn't hurt well against Leash um, last year and down in the Moor Park as well. And look, again, if there's that in, in, in yourself as well, you want to kind of rectify that result as much as possible. Like, it's bad enough um, you playing bad and your team winning, but when you play bad and your team loses, it's very, very hard to take. So, And we're lucky. I'd say Matty Kenny was rubbing his hands when he, when he seen the draw there for, for Leash and Dublin. He didn't really have to do a huge amount of, of talking and dressing before. All he do was show him the match from last year and show him the celebration to Leash guys coming onto the field and everything like that as well. And that was the story of last year. But the problem is, with the story last year, everyone thinks about Leash, but no one thinks about Dublin being on the receiving end of, of, of that of that result as well so I'd say that would have to be fresh in, in your mind as well and look players need a bit of motivation and it, it takes something very very small like yeah Jesus no they shouldn't have bet us last year I want to beat them this year you know what I mean it would, it'll, it'll get you a bit more kind of pumped up for the match there as well so look Dublin obviously you're marked the first 10-15 minutes for it and they came out came out of blocks very very quickly to be fair yeah, no, and it is usually the team looking for revenge that do that. So, look, I mean, it's definitely a motivating factor. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about the revenge um, thing. Come here, Mike, the, the, the referee was very hard on Eva Quilligan, the clear goalkeeper. Like, I mean, he threw in the ball for him coming outside the square. Now, as Donald Cusack said, the umpire called it, so he obviously had warned him. Now, is Eva Quilligan telling the umpire, go away now in his own mind, maybe not to the umpire, go away now and don't be annoying me with this pettiness and I'm going to step outside it again and then he got punished. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a bit of a conversation that I didn't know what was going on before that. Yeah, you could see that and I was laughing because he got pulled on it and the very next book out, he stood outside the box. For yeah. <laughs> because, oh, we pulled you once, you can do what you want now. You know, that was the, that seemed to be the scenario and you'll often see it with goalkeepers that, umpires get in their head to keep them in that's their little bit of control and after they're pulled once they can do what they want and <laughs> I've seen that loads of times in games you know and I was laughing on TV you could obviously see him step outside the box for the very next puck out and, and nothing happened so look he, he showed us a bit of power and pulled them once and I don't like to see it look what difference does a foot make in yeah. that 80 yards like, leave him off he's only stepping one, one foot out but Look, you see goalkeepers getting pulled, but it's only ever once. I've never seen a goalie being pulled twice in a game. So once they show that bit of power, they let them do what they want for the rest of the game. So it doesn't make too much sense to me, to be honest. All right. Is that how it works, JJ? It's like, I mean, laying down the law. Because the referee pulled him up. The referee wouldn't allow him go with the really quick ones as well, which he which he likes to do. Yeah, I suppose. Look, the keeper wants to go in with probably a tactic from Claire as well. They want to get the ball out as quickly as possible. So the Limerick guys can't go, go back into their half-back and set up and... Um, Obviously, the quicker you hit out the ball, then the more options you'll have, especially if the clear lads are moving up front there as well. So, yeah, look, I, I think it's a, it's a rule that I agree 100% with Michael. A foot outside the box, what difference does it make um, if the game is up and running? And I just let, let, it, let it happen really more than that. You know, fair enough, you blow the referee, you blow the whistle once for a quick puck out. But then after that, it's up to the referee. And this, I kind of said this kind of last year as well, I think they're just taking down the score and then they're turning around and blowing a whistle. Take the scoring away from the referee. I don't think they, should, they need to do that anymore. Have the fourth official taking the score down. So when a, a, a point goes over, the referee can turn, look at the goalkeeper, he's ready to go, puck it out, game is on as quickly as possible there as well. Rather than taking down the score, running back to midfield there as well, turn around and then blowing a whistle. Because the, the ball travels so quickly, the referee has to be in the middle of the field to see anything happening up in the, the half-forward and half-back lane there as well. So... 
I think they should take the take the score taken away from the referee, have the fourth official do it, and then you can have a quicker kind of um, turnaround for the puck house there as well. Right. We, we kind of had that in Gaelic football as well, and it used to frustrate me at times. So, for example, a ball could be going over the bar and Cluxton could be reaching for another ball. The ball has... the, the ref the. The point has hardly been chalked down and the, the play has been resumed again. The TV cameras never pick it up because they're following the ball going over the bar. I, I find it a little bit messy, Mick. I don't know about you that, like, I mean, especially in hurling, the ball could be pointed from the 65. It's floating over the bar. The whole time that's floating over the bar, you have to clear a goalkeeper with already with a slitter in his hand. At what point is he allowed to poke that out? Do you know what I mean? Just as it's literally floating <laughs> over the bar. Yeah, he's waiting. As I said, it's a good point. He's waiting for the ref to set up and take the score, write it down, and then blow the whistle for a puck out. Like everyone wants to see the game speed up, and but can it speed up too much to the point where the ca- the the TV cameras can't even keep up with it? Do you get my point? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, but it, it, look, ten seconds, I suppose. Like if the if the ball once the ball goes over the bar and the ref blows his whistle, the game can't continue obviously until he blows his whistle. So. Like if he sets up within that five ten seconds, that's fine. I, I definitely agree with JJ. Like, why is he taking the score down, and what's the point there? Because he, there's loads of officials around the pitch to do that, and it's less hassle for him. So, look, I, I, you don't want, as you say, you don't want the TV missing puckouts all the time. But like five ten seconds, and that's it. And you just take that responsibility away from the ref. I think that's a good point from JJ. Yeah, no, so I, I agree. Just an example, Wally, there as well. Um, the Tipperary County final this year, Lockmore, um, we're playing Killangan in, in in the final there as well. So. Lockmore had a free to win it. Yeah. Um, the, the keeper had the ball in his hand before the ball went over the bar. Yeah. And he poked it out straight away and they went down, that their thing went down and scored a goal straight away. Now, probably the referee could have pulled it, but that's sort of the quick thinking for the goalkeeper to be ready to go. Now, again, Lockmore couldn't actually set up their defensive because the, the referee allowed the quick puck out. They went down. They were brave. The keeper was very brave to have the ball in his hand ready to go. And look, because the referee let it go, they went down and scored a goal, won the county final. So that kind of uh, kind of rewards a bit of bravery from the keeper as well. To be fair, you know, yeah, so no, something like that. Yeah, that's a great example, JJ. Like, I mean, we talked about that on the show the day after. Like, you and the goalkeeper had been at fault for that sixty-five, so he really redeemed himself. But yeah. like, is, is there an inconsistency here then, JJ? That one week one go, one referee's pulling pulling a player back, and then another referee's allowing this kind of happen so fast, even before maybe the umpires even shaking the white flag. Addies, but look at me. There's inconsistency up and down the up and down the country every game. You know that kind of way because look, the games we play are not black and white, and we can't kind of. Um, it's all up to interpretation from the referees and yeah. so. Yeah, there is inconsistency there, but there's inconsistency in everything as well. Like you know, but I think it's something simple that could be took and gives the, a bit more um, freedom to the referee to look around and actually pull the, the blatant fouls rather than just taking out a score. But I think that's kind of. Um, I think it's a thing of the past. We've technology now. Why not use it? Yeah, no, I agree with you definitely. We're all in agreement on the referee not having to look down in his book and scribble down a number yeah. after the after it goes over. Jeez, Keen Lynch took one in the side of the ear yesterday, lads, and I don't know. Like, I mean, I've never been hit by. I have been hit by a slitter in a GA jackass, all right, but never. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just thinking, like, because a lot of the helmets leave the, the the strap of the helmet comes down around the ear and leaves the ear completely exposed. Mick, I'll start with you. Have you ever received a slitter? In a on a cold day, well, in any day, uh, flush into the ear. Absolutely, because that that gap there in the helmet and my ears stuck out anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> they were definitely there to be hit. But uh, yeah, oh, it's, it's a killer, really. You know, like oh it, my it, god, it stings for a few. But look, you get over it. But they're definitely not nice to receive. It's not nice to get us to hit anywhere we're sitting, but the ear in particular, it's definitely not a nice one, and you'll feel it the next day as well. So I felt for Keane yesterday, and it was not. <laughs> 
Jeez, I, I think, yeah, anyone that's got an old punch in the ear or anything would feel for Keane yesterday. <laughs> Can in any way relate to it? Have you got them, JJ? Like, I have to say, on a cold day, you'd be entitled to put your hand up and say, here, look, take me off. I have enough of this today. <laughs> Especially you're winning by uh, 10 or 12 points there at the end, just take me off. That's, that's the thing to do actually happen, you know. But yeah, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of down through the years as well. But you just... You can't get out of the way. You don't even see it coming. You just get hit and you hit the ground as simple as that. You have not, no choice or anything. You just have to take it, yeah. get up and, and kind of uh, drive on after it right now. But yeah, I felt for Kinder yesterday, to be honest. And, okay, and moving on from that, can we give up complaining about these yellow slitters now? They look cool. Um, I don't know about you, lads, but I could see them perfectly. They seem to travel the exact same distance as the other ones. There was no question about that. Um, I saw Michael Diglin saying, it's, is it only me or is it way harder to see the yellow slitter when it's going through the air? I found the opposite um, myself with that. Michael, you were watching, I'll get both of your opinions because you were watching on TV, Michael, and you were watching at the match, uh, JJ. Yeah, I, I, I had no problem seeing it, Willie. I, I thought it was perfectly uh, easy to see it going through the air all, through, all throughout the game. Um, I've seen loads of people giving out about it. I, in particular, I've seen the players saying, the slitter is harder, which I don't really understand because it has to be made of the same the same stuff. It's just yellow. But yeah. I haven't got my hands on one of them, so I don't know I don't know if it's harder to hit them. But like watching lads strike the ball yesterday, they were striking the ball some distance and no one seemed to have any issues with the striking. So and from a visual aspect, you could see it perfectly. So look, I, I there was nothing wrong with the white slitter for me, but now that the yellow one's there, I'd have no problem with that either because watching it on telly anyway, there was no hassle whatsoever. So JJ yeah. might have got a one in Tokyo yesterday. Well, yeah, I was going to say that, JJ. I presume curiosity got the better of you and you snuck down to yeah. where they were poking around and got one in your hand. Um, yeah, no, I see. I had a chat with the Dublin kit man actually and asked him what the situation with the players, how did they go on with the, with the new yellow walls. He said after the first night, there was no issue whatsoever. Like, you know, so I can ask him what the makes them were and. He says they have O'Neill's and they have um, the Cummins All-Stars there as well. So the only difference is the, the leather, the, the colour of the leather. What's the core of the ball is the, is the exact same. Right. There's no issue whatsoever. No, I've I seen it perfectly there Saturday night. and watched the game there yesterday. No issue whatsoever. But looking at the end of the roll and poking out the ball now, <laughs> there was no issues with the, the yellow hurling ball. He was launching him 100, 120 yards every every puck he got. He nearly, he actually took one, he gave one to the full back. Came back, he was at the 21, he nearly scored a point in the first half. It was phenomenal. The, the, the distance he gets on poking the ball is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, no, he definitely. One thing I did notice in the Munster final yesterday is like it's like the club championship. During the winter, the sun, when, there's, when the sun is on the pitch, the sun is coming in very low. And it, it definitely, it, it's difficult to see what's going on when because it almost like blinds the camera because the sun is so is so low in the air but uh maybe that's just another another point um i won't harp too much on it come here lads another interesting one was the joe mcdonough cup um result between antrim and westmead antrim hammered them 19 points and like i mean this is a westmead team that played in division 1a this year and who beat carlo well in a relegation playoff like, I mean, David Glennon's transfer hasn't gone through, but you imagine they're really going, going places. Antrim, obviously, um, did really well in the second division of the league. A really strange one here was uh, Michael Brendan Murta came out of retirement for the game. He scored six frees. He's 37 years of age. Now, he was played really well for his club. And in, uh, in an unusual year that this year is, the club came before the county championship instead of the other way around. So somebody yeah. that, that might never have played county, impressed for his club, felt in good shape just before the county season and was asked to come on. Yeah, it's a strange one. Look, if you're playing well in, 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 in club championship, I've no problem with it. Like, I don't think it looks too good on Westmead Hurling if 
if we're dragging a 37 year old out of championship to perform and, and play field like I just don't think it stands well to you and it showed yesterday like I was on thank god for Antrim uh, Twitter because I was following the game on their Twitter feed and look they weren't happy at all with the coverage that they received from anyone from the Sunday game or RTE they, they, they had a good win last week and won the league over Kerry and yeah they performed really well yesterday like they got some some return from their full forward line the Kieran Clark got two goals Conor McCann got one and uh, they were very good goals and they got a rake out of points in the full forward line and look that score line doesn't definitely doesn't look well on Westmead and there can't be I don't think there'll be I think Shane Shane O'Brien would be very disappointed because if you're bringing back a 37 year old and he has to do a job for you I don't think it definitely stands well for your team in championship so Westmead have a, have a lot of work to do for next week well they, yeah they definitely do and that was out Neil McManus wasn't playing for Mantram which is an yeah. incredible one but it's, it's like this JJ right so say you're an old man like yourself still still hurling away avoiding relegation like you are like I mean <laughs> you, usually if you're if you're pushing on in years you've retired from the county scene you have a good club season you finish in September October and then you relax for the whole winter and the idea that you would go back slogging with the county is just madness whereas this year whereas this year you just finish your club season and you've gotten yourself into pretty good shape. The county's going go, going on in two weeks' time. It's only going to go on for three or four weeks. Asher, Jesus, why would, would I be stupid not to commit to it? Yeah, look, the year that's in it now, so it's, it's probably the strange year and the strange um, situations have, have, have happened all right now. And I'm still waiting for my phone call at Brian Cole. I didn't <laughs> ring yet, but it's still, it's still a week to go, you know, that kind of way. So I'm still holding out hope. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it is, yeah. It's, look, that's the big thing about the club, like, you know, even take the club situation there, a lot of older players came back playing hurling this year and, and Gaelic football this year because of the shorter season too, you know, that kind of way. So, yeah, you could very easily justify it and try to rationalise it in your own head that this is a good idea to go back because it, it's only uh, an eight or, or ten week um, championship there as well. Like, yeah, but I agree with Michael there. Just the rest of the lads on the panel that didn't get on and you're looking at Brendan Worth coming back 37 years of age and he's trained for the last while and coming back on and getting the gamer as well you know what I mean it's, it's, we mightn't sit well with a couple of guys too you know yeah and playing and play, playing the whole game as well because he's a selector so like I mean there was no chance he was going to be taken off as well <laughs> <laughs> so fair play to Antrim that's two huge results in a row like I mean so um, like Joe McDonough Cup as we know is a great competition so uh, fair play to them right lads we'll leave it there and we'll come back in part two and we'll have a look at the two, the two uh, games in the Liam McCarthy Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up now because there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. Um, but you didn't we... let Shamey talk at a, at a hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a hurley launch, you know. Yeah. You know, I, there's I, a media I, ban if he can't no, talk no, at that. No, absolutely not. I think you guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes, you know. Okay. Go but in, earn, he, earn your living like the rest of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, then right. he's obviously on a ban. Well, I think he's carrying a mixed message. All right, lads, so we'll start with the big one in Munster. It was Limerick, 36 points. Yes, you've heard that right. 36 points, Clare, um, 123. And this is the age-old um, issue you have when you're playing Limerick. They have a very good full forward line. They like to hit them with lovely diagonal balls. What do we do? Do we keep our half-back line in position and let their half-forward line drop back? and give our full-back line some cover. That's what Clare chose to do yesterday. Have a look at this. Garod Hegarty, five from play. Tom Morrissey, four from play. Kyle Hayes, three from play, and should have had five or six. Like, I mean, the idea that you would drop your half-back line off, JJ, 
and not cover these three fellas. Like, I mean, just tactically, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you can't give these these guys um, so much room. But the problem is, they, the three lads go looking for the ball as well. Um, and with with the Limerick the way Limerick play, the the boy the the person on the ball always has two options. You can hit the ball himself, or he has a ten yard pass, and he he the third runner coming on the diagonal as well for for him to have a pass. So they're always thinking two steps ahead, really more than any. That's that's what um, John Kiley has instilled in him, but. It's going to be, yeah, it's, Kilkenny done it last year and um, I think they were working off the Kilkenny model, but they didn't bring anywhere near the intensity that Kilkenny brought there in the, in the other semi-final there last year. So, yeah, you can do it, you can drop off, but you'll need your midfielders to, to filter back. You need your half-forwards to filter back yeah. and fill them gaps as, as much as possible because all well and good if you're staying back, but the ball is not going in. But if you get over integrity, kind of plant these feet there a couple of times, and ha- had a shot at the goal. That, that's that's um, Lunsi at this this kind of a level as well. On the run, you're trying right, right. We'll try and put him under pressure. But if the wing forward, centre forward has time to plant his feet and hit the ball, they're going to score all day. You know that kind of way. So it's it's you can be caught in between covering your your full full forward line and or full back line and actually letting your man go out the field too. Like so, and that's where the clear guys were, were caught. Yeah, I don't think you can do one set rule. You, you kind of have to mix it up and do both. You can actually have to stand um, your position at times, but then there is times that you have to go out and, and go up on your man because if you don't go go up on your man, he knows when he goes out the field, he's going to have time to turn around and actually pick that pass and he'll float it over your head. So you have to kind of mix it up and do both and, and keep your, your the man you're marking to bring forward or centre forward guessing that will he behind me or not, you know, that kind of way. So you're, you're going to have to mix it up. Yeah. So like, I mean, when you when you look at the, you mentioned the, the contrast to Kilkenny, like Kilkenny's half forward line picked those up. And then, of course, you're worried making your half forward line drop off Burns and Hannon and these lads. But Kilkenny's full forward line came out on them. Kilkenny just squeezed that middle so much that Limerick had no real space to be playing those little balls into. And so they got the, the benefit of covering the full forward line. The, their half forward line covered the likes of Hayes and Gerard Hegarty, and then the full forward line came out. So, like, you didn't really see that from Clare, I didn't think, Michael. Like, I mean, you didn't see Ryan Reedy or Fitzgerald really doing that dog work of picking those half forward line up when they when they dropped deep at all yesterday. Yeah, like you, you can't leave that Limerick half forward line loose. That's twelve points in play. That would kill any team. Yeah, and and too good. Limerick are too good. Like. Other teams, you might say, look, you can drop off them a bit because the half-back line won't pick them out as much. But Limerick constantly look for that half-forward line. And their half, their, Limerick's half-back line in midfield are so clever on the ball that if they see them, if they see the half-back line pushing up and marking them, they go over them. Yeah. They're very, very good at doing it. Again, to Kenny last year, the intensity that Kenny's forward line bring when they're playing is, is unreal. And it's, I don't think any other team would match it really. So there's their intensity of tackling and Clare didn't match that yet. Clare's forwards didn't match. They started the match well, putting it up to them, but it, it faded quite quickly. And, and the Limerick backline were coming out with balls. And once they can get their head up and look up, there's very little half backline on the opposing team can do because they're going to be cutting no man's land. If they're marking their forward, it's going to go over their head and there's going to be goal chances. So I think you really rely on your forward line against Limerick to put a huge amount of pressure on them and they all have to drop back a line. And unfortunately, not many teams can keep it up for, for, for the full game. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing, I suppose, JJ. Everybody has to drop a line, not just your half forward line, your full forward line has to help out. It's a, it's a collective thing to try and stop Limerick because it's not easy to stop them. Because usually in hurling, you, like I've talked to Damien Hayes about this, you know, you drop short and it's not given to you and it's driven over your head and now it's down between the half back that didn't follow you and, you know, he's back there covering. Limerick never have that issue. They have a very, very obvious system that these lads that drop short nine times out of ten are getting it if they're not picked up. Yeah, they're looking for the ball as well and, and that's um, probably the system they've been playing for the last few years and look, they're perfected on year, year on year and they're, they're actually getting better at it as well, to be fair. But they have phenomenal hurlers. Declan Hannan, centre-back, he's, he's like a quarterback when he gets the ball in his hand. He just he picks the right pass all the time there as well and uh, yeah, he likes Keane Inch there as well and Keane Inch could score more himself but he actually he plays he plays the ball around a, a lot more to, to his um, to his forward's benefits because any other midfielder might be a bit more selfish and take a few more scores himself but they just have options as I said like they just when the guy in the ball hits a 10 yards but then there's a third guy running for in, in that kind of a triangle kind of space and that breaks the tackle and anyone that goes to the guy getting receiving the ball a quick layoff and then after breaking the lines there again so 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 hard to actually um, counteract but again as I said the, the intensity of Kenny brought but Kenny brought it, but the second half that was kind of fading away and I suppose yeah. you go back re- realistically looking at it again if that match went on for another five minutes you probably would have favoured Limerick to go ahead and, and win that then again you know the kind of way so it, it's very I know it, it's very very hard to to keep that intensity up while keeping the scoreboard ticking over as well you know the kind of way so it, it's it's very very hard but this is what teams have to do against Limerick as well and next weekend it's going to be absolutely huge for, for, for Tipperary to break down that the half back lane in the midfield uh, to stop that supply going into the, the half forwards and the full forward line as well. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see what they come up with. They're huge as well. Like, look at Dan Morrissey. Look at Declan Hannan, Dermot Burns. Grog Hegarty looks like he's a, a minor playing under 14. You have Kyle Hayes is huge. You have Aaron Galan who's huge. You have Tom Morrissey who has a chest on him that's, you know, huge to use that word again. Michael, like, this is a dominating, massive team who have incredible skills when you see some of the skills. Like, Keen Lynch is a, is a, is a street hurler. You know, Gerard Hegarty does some crazy things. You know, and then you've, you've got Peter Casey, you have Graham Cathy. Like, I mean, they just have too much firepower for teams. They have too much of a system for teams. They had 11 different scorers, scored 26 from points from play. This isn't against no disrespect to Westmead, Leash, teams like, you know, that are Carlo, for example. This is against Clare. This is against a team that should have been in an all Ireland final and beat the all Ireland champions Galway two years ago. Yeah, and, and like, even William O'Donoghue in the middle, like, he's so mangy. The pace they take the ball at, Willie, is, is phenomenal. And, like, that's not even mentioned, Dermot Burns or Lachlan and Hannon in the half-back line. Like, I always say that that Limerick jersey looks tighter than any other jersey, but they're, they're such big men that they, like, they, they really are imposing when you step against them. I can only imagine being on the pitch because they look so, so physically dominant when you're watching them on telly. But like, when you mentioned the scores in that half-forward line, like, I couldn't believe when um, they mentioned that Tony Kelly was 26 yesterday because it just feels like he's around so long. But Gerald Hegarty's 26, and the difference in pressure in them two men is, is chalk and cheese for me. Like, if Gerald Hegarty doesn't have a good game for Limerick, and he hasn't had, there's not many games he hasn't played well, but if he hasn't played well, Limerick's still going and win. And then you change that with the pressure on Tony Kelly. It's the complete opposite, because when he doesn't play well, Claire are going to lose. Yeah. So Limerick has that thing where they have so many good forwards that and any, if any one of them have an off day, the four or five other lads that are going to step up, and he can't man-mark all of them. So it, 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 it's such depth in that panel, it's scary. So, yeah. And, 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 and yeah. 
when they come on, the difference they make, because they're all hungry to get on that pitch. And such di- it must be so difficult to get in that first six of the forward line. So I, I definitely feel, like when I was watching the game yesterday, I felt for Tony Kelly because like the pressure on him at that age is, 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 is brutal, really, you know. Yeah, I'll get to Tony Kelly in a second, but that, that's a fair point there, um, JJ, in that you, you see Clare playing Davy Fitzgerald wing forward. He's a defender. You see Dublin playing Chris Crummy in, in the, the half forward line. He's a defender because they're big, they're physical, they're a presence there. Limerick have forwards with those qualities. Like, I mean, and like the likes of Garrod Hegarty, who can flick a ball over a fella's head and then do an underhand hand pass inside. Like, we're talking about these monstrous men that yeah. other teams are having to convert defenders into. Limerick have these as well. Now, obviously, Kyle Hayes used to be a back, but we call him a forward now. Yeah, it's, it's look, they have it every way, to be honest with you. If the high ball goes in, they'll win it. If low balls win, they have the, the skill and the touch to, to win the ball themselves. But it looks like when they're going against Limerick, you're probably saying Aaron Gillan and um, Graham Mulcahy, two big guys. But then you look at us, like Tom Morrissey wouldn't be up there. He'd probably number five or six if you're going to man mark him. But then he comes off with four points there yesterday. You know, yeah. like in a way, just the work rate that he brings to it, but he always tips over on the scoreboard. He, he kind of comes unnoticed what Gerard Hegarty and um, Tom Morrissey do on the wings as well, but they're, it's vital for this, for this Limerick team. But yeah, look, they have it everywhere. If you if you want to go physically down that route, they'll go with you, no problem at all. If you want to hurl them, they'll, they'll try hurl as well. Like you know, So it's uh, they're kind of scratching their head to see why, how, how do I handle these guys? Well, no, that's it. It's very, very difficult to say. It's very, very difficult solution to try and find. If you're to find a weakness, and it's one of their strengths as well, uh, Mick is Declan Hannon. He's definitely one of their strengths. He's their captain, but the man doesn't want to mark. And I think Tony Kelly got most of his joy off him because he was floating around. And to be honest, I I, t- I text Brian Carroll at one point of the game and says, who's marking Tony Kelly? I don't think anybody really knew because he was popping up for scores and nobody was near him. You know, like, I mean, I don't know if that's a weakness of theirs that Declan Hannon just sets back and doesn't really mark. No, see, like, I, I was thinking about this myself, Willie, saying how are they allowing him to do whatever he wants in that far in, in, yeah. in their back? But... It works for them because they're so confident in the way they play and that they're going to get more scores. It didn't really seem to bother them too much because they're so effective with playing out. Look, they got caught two or three times coming out, but it doesn't it doesn't affect them whatsoever. It doesn't affect their confidence. They all want it in the back line and, they, and they're so confident they're playing it out because they, they wear down forward lines and the forward lines just cannot keep it up. No forward wants to mark someone all the time coming out with the ball or keep tackling. And they're so dominant at it and relentlessly good at coming out. And every one of their backs have the capability of going by a forward and it opens up out the whole pitch to the back line. And that's what allows them to pick out men up and down the pitch because they're so good at breaking that first tackle and going up through the lines. So, like, it just, it, I don't think it bothered them yesterday. The Tony Kenny was awesome, but look at the scoreline. They just said, no, we're going to stick to what we do and, and we're going to beat them. And that's what happened. So... Like at times I was saying, how are they allowing them to do it? But it did. It didn't just affect their game plan. They they stuck to what they do, and look, I think that's why Tony Kelly had so much joy yesterday. He wasn't used to getting that much freedom. I don't think any other team are going to give it to him, especially no. now. But no. he hasn't had a good perform. When you speak of Tony Kelly, he, it's not a good perform over the years. It's just he gets so much treatment. But Limerick just didn't seem to bother him yesterday. He just said, look, we'll play our game, and if he scores, he scores. But we're going to win. Yeah, maybe maybe JJ they were thrown uh, by seeing him in the forwards. They might have been expecting Willie O'Donoghue to pick him up in midfield, and then when he was started in corner forward, that wasn't part of the you know the plan, and they didn't really react to it. And when Tony moved around positions, 
nobody really followed him. Everybody stayed in their positions. Yeah, but I, I agree with what Mike's after saying there. I think that um, when he did go in corner forward, they weren't going to bring back a man marker just, just for Tony Kelly either, like you know, but um, they were kind of trust the guy that was going to mark him at that particular time but he was Tony was moving he was he was corner he was centre forward he was wing forward he was all over the place in fairness to him but yeah. he was kind of, it was a long kind of fight to the to the Limerick team but yeah John Kiley said well, yeah okay Tony Kelly you do what you want but we're, we're still it's a spring confidence in these players that they're going to come over the line and they're going to get the better look after when you're marking Tony Kelly he's going to get the better after a couple of minutes anyway he's going to obviously make a couple of points here and there but Limerick lads didn't panic they were still looking for the ball they're still playing through their lines. It's stuck to their, their formation, their, their style of play. Never never deviate from that. And they, they believe in that because they're after winning so much in the last couple of years by, by doing that as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a great point for Michael that they didn't care what Tony Kelly did yesterday. It was all about the Limerick Hurling team and um, what they were going to do themselves, not not worrying about other players. And for a management team and see your players do something like that, it's a great place for that management team to be in. Yeah, is that is, does that give the team even more confidence, uh, Michael? That they say, right, you know, if we start worrying about Tony Kelly, our system will break down. We're going to perfect this, and it's up to the other team to mess around with their team to try and rattle us. Yeah, absolutely, Willie. I think like if you're in the backs and you're not saying right this week you're going to go corner back to mark this man, it doesn't happen in that Limerick team. They have their full back line, they have their half back yeah. line. Lads play where they are and. They trust themselves and trust the system and it, it, it works for them. And if you're on that back line, you know you're going to be left half back and you're not going to have to chase around a fella. You're left half back and that's your position. And you play the way we want you to play and we practice and training. And I think like if I was left back on that team, I'd love that. Because you're you're not concentrating on who or next week you're playing Henry Shefflin and the switch wings and the switch positions. They don't. They know where they play and you also get confident in your position then. You're not moving around. You know how to play your position and you know how the other lads around you play. And I think it's standing to, to, to Limerick because, look, all the talk would be about Tony Kelly, but they got hammered in the end of the day. And who cares if Tony Kelly scored what he's got? It was phenomenal scoring, but Limerick outhurled them completely. You know, so apart from one man, Limerick had an awesome display yesterday. So I don't think John Coyley would be any way worried of who they come up against or, or change any system for any forward. Yeah, it's an unusual one, really. Like, I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know, just traditionally, JJ, you kind of have a back that you might think might might suit that lad and he he follows him for the day. It, it kind of is going against what we're used to. Yeah, it is, yeah. Look, it's trusting your players in their positions. Um, they're obviously specialising, they're a cornerback, specialised fullback and specialised centre-back. You know, Declan Hannon is not going to go oh, wing-back or anything like that. You've never seen him play wing-back. He's always number six and that's where he plays and if he's not good enough to play there, they'll get someone else and go into, into six then. That's what John Cayley's attitude is, which is refreshing. and It's absolutely brilliant for, for the Limerick panel to know that, yeah, I'm going for a certain place there. And when, if, when I got on the team, it's up to myself. I know exactly how the team plays and I'll sit in here seamlessly either as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a great place for the for Limerick guys to be in at the moment, you know. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, Tony Kelly in in performance of the weekend. But you'd have to say here, uh, Mick, is the rest of the Clare forwards. Jesus, like, I mean, talking about not playing well. Like, I don't know, like, Don Grady kept talking about Shane O'Donnell and they need to give him more ball. And they probably did need to give him more ball. But I don't know, like, I mean, 
John Conlon, uh, the context has to be given. John Conlon, Peter Duggan, obviously huge, huge losses. But when she, like Shane O'Donnell, for me, flatters to deceive too often. And then I was saying this yesterday on Twitter, and people say, "Oh, he needs the right supply of ball." But like, which of the top players in Ireland need the right type of ball? Like, I mean, usually in hurling, you win your own bloody ball. And like, I mean. It, if a, if a game plan has to be built around you getting the perfect ball, well, that's, you know, I don't know if he's good enough for that. Or alternatively, if he can't win his own ball, why isn't he in beside a big man who can win ball for him? Like, you know, Taylor got that goal off a knockdown from Shanahan. I, I don't know. I've said a lot there. I don't know which point you want to pick up on. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Willie. There has to be other people, like even to allow Tony Kelly that freedom, there has to be other forwards to step up and and put their hand up to play. Like Dave really gets in and out of ball. He just, he's not... He, he's not solid enough. That you don't get every game in, game out. He steps in and gets a score, but you don't see him enough in games. No, like in a lot of talk of Emma Ryan, and look, you've seen him. I've seen him work hard and chase him back a number of times yesterday. But he has to be up scoring. Like you got one great score from the sideline, but if you're capable of doing that, you have to do it over and over again. And he just wasn't getting enough attention from the half back line and Limerick half back line were more of a threat than much more of a threat than Clare's half forward line were. So he needs back up there and he needs players to step up. Shane O'Donnell, look, I think he's a very good hurler, but he, he's nowhere near the goal threat he used to be. And he seems to get the ball and by the time he works hard to get it, he's 30 yards out from the goal and very little threat from there. Like he, he, he has to get the ball within the 21 to be any threat to be able to corner him for a goal. So it always seems to me when he gets the ball, he's out in the wing or his first touch isn't quite right and he gets the ball and picks it up and he, at this stage he's 30, 35 yards out. And he's no threat there, you know, absolutely no threat. So, look, watching Clare yesterday, I don't, I don't think they're anyway contenders for this year because I just didn't see enough people that are going to put their hand up or have it in, have it in their, in their bag to step up and, and be consistent scorers. And especially in that forward line, I just can't see where they're going to get scores from. And teams are just going to target Tony, and, and I think Clare be snookered. Yeah, no, well, on the evidence of yesterday, obviously, again, we have to say the two lads missing are like, Jesus, they're their two best forwards. I don't think anyone would oh, argue yeah. about that. What do you make of that, uh, JJ, Shane O'Donnell, always running to the wing? Is he always running to the wing away from goal because he can't win hard ball in close to goal? Yeah, it's look, I suppose, first point there as well about Peter Duggan and um, John Collin. These guys, we knew from probably March when Peter Duggan was, was away, he was travelling anyway, he was definitely gone for the whole year. And John Connor got injured back in March, so they knew they wouldn't have these bears for the championship as well. So, like, I know that they, it's great to have them, but they, they knew out a long way out that they didn't have them. So they should have come up with a different kind of plan in place now to to actually change these players as well. But yeah, look, Shane O'Donnell is probably probably hundred percent right. Like he he does start to receive before the match. You're kind of saying, "Geez, right, Shane O'Donnell, he could take off here now. He could score one two or one three. But then you're after you look at the, the scores after the match. He mightn't score, he has to get a point. You know what I mean? He works very, very hard, but yeah, he he's going to have to bring a score back in, back into his game there as well, like you know. But another another switch I don't think that worked was was Dave McNerney there in midfield. I think the game kind of bypassed him a bit there as well, and I just think that he'd be better off in either centre back or the half back line. Somewhere in the back lines, you can't tell me that the the six backs that were playing for Clare were, were better than Dave McNerney as well. I'd have him back anchoring the defence there again because I thought his game's kind of passing by a small bit. Yeah, he done well in the league, all right, but. As I said, the league and the championship uh, is two different things, but it's. Um, I just think that he's too good of a player not to be involved in the game, and, and I think if he's in centre back or full back, he's involved in the game for clear. 
I do I do definitely take your point that Clare should have realised they were down. Well, Peter Duggan, John Conlon, not so much because he was more recent, if I'm not mistaken. But to be fair, JJ, missing those two is the equivalent of Kilkenny missing TJ Reid and Colin Fennelly. Like, it does throw your plan into complete disarray. It does, it does, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that point aboard. But I think John Dunn did crucial back in, in March, I think. So, like, right. they have, they should have a game plan in place to, now maybe they thought they did until until yesterday as well, but unfortunately, after yesterday, we might have go back to the drawing board a small bit there as well, but um, Shannon came on, and he brought a bit of physicality to it, I don't understand why he himself and Aaron Cunningham aren't starting as well. Now maybe, again, we're not privy to what's going on in training, or what the situation is regarding the couple of practice the last couple of weeks, but Shannon to me, you know, is a handful, and I'd have him on the edge of square, and least the likes of Shane O'Donnell can can work off the breaks that he can he can break the, the full back line and break it down and maybe he can get a couple of scores then but they're going to have to come up with something and come up, come up with something very very quickly to be fair yeah and maybe Shane O'Donnell needs coaching and be told here stay close to goals I don't want you making those runs because you're running too far from goal you can't get on the score sheet stop making those runs staying beside that big man and work off the, you know what I mean work off the breaks because I do take your your points that he does he, like no one's questioning his work rate and he, he wears his heart in his sleeve to be fair to him but I don't know like I mean you, you probably want a little bit more from him what's your what's the general take on Dublin then the other night Michael impressed you know good performance um, maybe not blowing the blowing the world away yeah it's hard to tell Willie because I thought Leash were very poor I yeah. thought uh, look, it was great to see I thought the movement from Dublin forwards was excellent I thought it was great to get such a high score like 231 is great scoring but again it's hard, very hard to tell because I thought Leash were quite poor and didn't really have too much of a game plan like if I was Ross King, I'd be going absolutely mental because if there was at least two, sometimes three people in top of him and the ball going in was awful. So yeah. I don't really know what Leash's game plan was, but I was happy I was happy with the Dublin forward line and Dublin's midfield, which has been struggling in the past. They 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 scored a lot, they were taking their scores very well and with the addition of Donald Burke there and I think it's a huge plus for Dublin, so like, it, look, it was very good, but it was very easy. So it's 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 a hard it's hard to tell with next week's game coming up. But I I, I hope it stands to them. Yeah, it may, well, I'd say we'll definitely stand to them. I do. I agree with Michael there. Um, with, about Leash JJ. Like, I mean, they neither had forwards up the field to help Ross King, nor did they have the space closed down around the middle third. Like, they did neither one or the other. I would accept Dublin players being perf- being loose all over the middle third if you had your forwards up in place and look, this happens, but Leach didn't have any forwards up there. So what, surely Dublin shouldn't have had as much space as they had. Yeah, I think the Leach half him were, were, were poor there on um, Saturday evening. The Dublin guys had, um, they looked were playing a sweeper, Conor Burke was playing a sweeper and they were playing the ball around um, very, very well to be fair to them, but they were allowed to do that as well. They were allowed to just kind of get the ball, turn around, look up and pick the pass there as well. And Chris Crummy, they were feeding Chris Crummy as much as they could there as well. And he was winning, or at least he was breaking the ball up to open the, in the forward in there as well. But yeah, at least we very, very, I had to be disappointed with their work rate really more than Ross King had a great battle with um, Paddy Smith. Apart from that then, he's the only one that kind of broke even. Apart from that then, it was, it was very, very hard to see where the pluses were for Willie Dunphy tried hard, but everything he tried, the ball he go right, the ball bounced left. Yeah. So just one of those games, one of those games for for. But then look, they're, they're they're missing a couple of big players from last year as well. Chad Wire wasn't there. He he, he threw himself around the place. He he's well able to score as well. John Lennon was injured as well. He, he had a great game last year for a sweeper too. So and then Leash got a couple of injuries early on in the game as well. So any bit of flow that they were hoping to get. Um, 
just didn't happen for him, you know, and they needed a good start, but I think Dublin were fully aware of, of leash intentions there as well, so they kind of smothered that straight away and, and pumped a good bit of ball down on top of Crummy and Danny Sutcliffe there and Donald Burke were working very well off the breaks on them as well, so when they got on top there, it was kind of, we were kind of it was inevitable throughout the game that um, it was going to peter out, but Look, Leach came with a run there in the second half, all right, they got back to six points, but they still left the sweeper back there as well. At that particular point, they've nothing really to lose. Six points down, you're after, in their own, after getting a couple of lovely long-range frees there as well. Why not push the sweeper up and give Ross King a hand up up in the full far line because they needed a goal at that stage, but they never yeah. pushed it up and obviously M. Dillon came on and he got the goal in the end and that just kind of put the final nail in the coffin. It, it seemed like a terrible waste to Picky Mar as well who like looked like he was on song with two good points off. He was out floating around, you know, don't really know where he was meant to be playing. I think you're right and John Lennon was being a, was a huge loss because Sean Downey was the sweeper and, you know, while he played the sweeper role, he offered nothing in an attacking thread and I think the sweeper role has evolved to the point where, yeah, you're doubling up and, yeah, you're intercepting passes, but if you don't offer something breaking out and draw a man, you know, and Lee, John Lennon's so good at that and he sets up that running game and, you know, almost like a hand-passing game some of the time we saw last year, Michael, he was a huge loss. And it was only when Paddy Purcell went back as a sweeper that he actually started taking the game to Dublin a little bit. Yeah, uh, Paddy Purcell got two great scores and he's so much pace and he can take a score like i seen Downey come out with a ball at one stage and he ran 40 yards straight into Dublin players. Now, in fairness, he looked up during the run and there was zero capacity. So either, for me, if you're playing that system, you have to take the scores out of the field because Ross King was surrounded by two or three Dublin lads and there was no point in hitting that ball in there because he, it's very rare he's going to do anything with it. Um, so if you're playing that system, you have to have a scorer as, as the sweeper for me. And Paddy Purcell did that in the second half came out, got a great score run up the pitch and he's so much pace and he's and he's good composure on the ball. But for me, Lee's just lacked that game plan. They they didn't really know what to do. They ran into cul-de-sacs an awful lot and I thought they lost their discipline then the second half. The first five minutes of the second half, Leach gave four frees away in their own in their own back line. And they were needless frees because the Dublin player wasn't going anywhere. So they just lost their discipline. I think they were a bit leggy because the forwards were moving so well for Dublin. And look, the game after fifty four minutes they get six points in it. Like you don't give away them four frees. Like that to be there could only be two or three points in the game at that stage. So I think Leash lost their discipline in the first ten minutes of that second half and it really showed then and Dublin just took off then at one stage. So like Ender Rowland got two great frees. But for me, Ross King is a great free taker and he was on his frees were excellent in Crow Park during day. And Ender Rowland took a free in the fifty fourth minute when there were six points in it from 80 yards, I would have had Ross King taking that because that's well within his range of scoring. And he's, for me, the chances of him scoring that are much higher than a goalkeeper. I know Ender Allen has a great score, great uh, puck, but like when you have a great free taker, 80, 85 yards isn't isn't too much to ask. And that would have put five points in the game at 55 minutes. So I yeah. think that was a little bit of a, a lapse in, in concentration for Leash at the time. Yeah, but maybe... Uh, it, it, Dublin Forest, uh, will he just... When the Leash guys were coming out, they weren't running at him and committing to the tackle. They were actually allowing the Leash lads to come up. And then when they, the Leash lads would get the ball in their hand, then they'd go attack him. They, they, their timing of their tackle was very good. They weren't just running up and committing themselves and the Leash lad would give them a dummy or a sidestep and they'd gone past them. And then they could actually get their running game going. The Dublin guys, they were kind of, they're letting them come, letting them come, letting them come. And then the Leash lads would, would get the ball in their hand. Then, then they'd attack them and right. they'd, they'd bottle them up. And in fairness, Dublin, they did, they did that very, very well the other night because I'd say they learned 
a lot from from last year as well that they weren't going to commit to the tackle and dummy dummy hand pass or a sidestep and they're going past them and they're going out of the game then as well. So they definitely did learn from that last year. All right, okay. So we have to give Dublin some credit for Leash's running game um, not working. What did you make JJ of Crummy at eleven? And what do you make of Davy Kyo and Ronan Hayes? Would you be looking for a bit more of them? Um, we'll obviously talk about Donald Burke in performance of the weekend. Yeah, Davy Kyo. Um, anytime he got the ball, he turned and went for the goal. That that's why he's there. I'd say. Um, He's a very, very athletic as well. Um, he's a live wire, isn't he? He's live, he's quick, he's strong as well. And what he tries to do is get the ball turned and throw his man off so he can actually take on and go straight for the goal. He was fouled a couple of times. He, I'd say he was happy enough. They were just trying to, they were shouting from the sidelines, David, keep moving, keep moving. Because there were two men from forward himself and Ronan Hayes was there to win a high ball in there, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, if a last case scenario, they, they'd hit the ball in high to him. But he turned himself around the place as well, a fair to him. But Chris Crummy, uh, first half, he's right in front of us, right in our line. He was from sideline to sideline running across. He ran himself into the ground. He was involved in everything good that, that Dublin did. Now, if he didn't win the ball himself, he was breaking the ball. And he knew what he was doing by breaking the ball down because he had the likes of Danny and uh, Donald Burke in the round best. The lads didn't actually go up and try and test the ball a couple of times. They stayed under break. Obviously, they worked on that in training. They knew how good Chris is in the air as well. But at the end of it there, he got a couple of good, nice scores there as well. So, yeah. so he was very, very happy to kind of... Um, ease himself into the game yeah, at centre forward that way but he'll be a big player for, for Dublin next next weekend he'll have to hurl, hurl like that but for the 70 minutes um, next weekend against Kilkenny He missed uh, he, he actually scored started scoring after missing two easy ones which showed a bit of character Mick Yeah absolutely yeah. Look, look, he missed an easy one in front of the goal from 30 yards and then caught a great ball and took it over the bar so look I, I definitely keep him there I think he adds a, an awful lot to the forward line but for Davy Kyo like for me, it's his work rate. Like if you're a full back and you have to chase him everywhere, and he's so direct, he'll pull you left and right, and then he'll run at you all the time. But it allowed when you brought Trollier in. Like if you see Trollier coming, the speed of Trollier is, is Eamon Dillon is ridiculous. And like if you're a full back and he came on, like Trollier scored one one straight, he won a free straight away, and then scored one one. I think it allowed Trollier to bring him on fresh and as a full back who's tired after chasing Davy go around. I think it's a good game plan. Oh yeah. Because I know Trollier won't be, he won't be playing from the start, but look how effective he was when he came on. And I think that's that's what they want from Davy Kyo. Tire that full back nine out, no matter where you are, and then bring in a goal scorer like, like, like Eamon or Trollier for the last 15, 20 minutes. I think it, it, it will work and it will do damage because like, you're going to have tired legs back there. And I, th- I definitely think it was a game plan and paid dividends for for Maddie in Dublin yesterday and if Trollier's coming on and scoring a goal or two he mightn't be giving out too much that he's not starting then. So yeah, I think that, that was a good idea that's a good idea putting a live wire in there JJ to tire a lad out now obviously in, in Gaelic football when Kevin McManaman got so good at coming on teams used to sub off a player and bring a fresh lad on to follow him on so now that Mick has left the cat out of the bag whenever you see him and <laughs> Dylan coming on next weekend you'll have to bring on a fresh pair of legs yeah, Cody be rubbing his hands together now when he shows into the podcast there. <laughs> he'll, know, he'll know exactly what to do next weekend. But no, he did. Look, in fairness, Trailer is, is a natural. Look, if you were to say who's a natural corner forward, Trailer is definitely a natural corner forward over Davy Kyo. But Davy brings something different, a bit of work and physicality into it as well. And maybe Trailer kind of looking at the game Saturday night said, right, I'm going to have to bring that to my game as well if I'm, I'm going to come back on this this team as well. So good option for, for Maddie to have there as well. And if you take Ron Hayes, he's a big man there as well. If the carbon copy of Mark Shute had come on there as well, so you could actually you could get tilted, thrown Hayes and um, Dave, you go to run yourself into the ground and then 
you have Mark Shute and Trollard come on there, they're a carbon copy of, of the two lads that are on the team already. So, yeah, he's good options, to be fair. Yeah, they, de- they definitely have options. There's no doubt about that. So is Liam Rush only an option as a sub for Chris Crummy now, or is he not an option in the Ronan Hayes role, Mick? No, he is. He's an option for both. But to be honest with you, like looking, for, looking towards next weekend, I'd be looking at him back half-back because you don't need him in that forward line. Like, Dublin have loads of options forward line and you've lads hurling well and like you've Mark Shute, you've, you've Ronan Hayes, all big lads who can win ball, Trollier. Like, you don't need him there. Such an yeah. You need, I'm worried about that half-back line next week against Kilkenny because Dublin's half-back line, they hurl really well, really well against Leash, but they're small. They're all small. Like, Keno Callan is a corner back playing half-back. He's a great marker, but he's not a scorer. He's not, he's, he's not a man who's going to go up and catch a ball. Like Dara Gray, again, man marker, he'll do a job, but he's susceptible to high balls in the air. And then like Connor Burke obviously had a smashing game as a sweeper. But again, height wise, he wouldn't be he'd be five ten, five eleven, he wouldn't he wouldn't be reaching six foot. And you're gonna go against a very good ball winning half forward line against Kakenny. And I think that, that half back line could be targeted for high balls against uh, ball winners. So I'd be looking at putting Russians back centre back and 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 getting a bit of height and a bit of a ball winner back in the half back line because we don't need him in the full, in the forward line because Dublin at the moment have loads of forwards like loads of subs to bring on as forwards and they're all very good hurlers so for me I'd be a bit conscious of that next week in the in the back line because you're losing Crummy already and Sean Moran who was brilliant at being sweeper he's back he's in midfield so that's two very good half backs Dublin have lost yeah would you agree with that JJ yeah would do to be fair even. Um... They're full full back in they attack the ball on Donald Paddy Smith, but they um they break the ball a lot back out and so that's where Kilkenny can target them. If they do win primary position in the full four in half four in there as well, it, it's a huge it'll take a, a lot of the Dublin game plan away from there as well because it said Connor Burke picked up a lot of ball as a sweeper there on Saturday night. So if you do win your own prime position against your man, that takes a sweeper out of play straight away as well. Like so the easiest tactic would be to win your home ball for against against a sweeper because he's gone out with you know. So yeah, I think Kenny will target her right now. And Liam Rush looked at him the other night. He looked um, he looked in shape. He looked fit. He looked slim. To be fair, you know, so it could be an option for for Maddie to move him back. Um, but he was about to come on and where and then Leash kind of um, came back with a purple patch there as well. And he, he had to wait the five ten minutes before he could come on. So he's obviously in Matty's plans so it'll be interesting to see what happens next weekend Yeah but in fairness I suppose Michael and what you're saying makes a lot of sense if he was going to try if he was going to try him at centre back he would have given him the run the other night in centre back you know where he's bringing him on for crummy Yeah absolutely I just like when you look at the Dublin even the subs that come on they're, they're not big men like they're very good hurlers they're very good hurlers but against Kenny the Kenny forward line are really good ball winners and they're really good at high ball and that Dublin back line hasn't been tested. Like Dublin's full back line, I think, is the best line on the pitch. I don't worry about them too much. Like they're really good. They've played together. They know what they're doing. But it's it's quite a new half back line and and against Kilkenny and brilliant ball winners, I'd be worried going into next week just that that Kilkenny might target them there because they are small men. They're really good hurlers, but they're small and like, look, if you don't need, if you're not starting rushing in the full forward line and you might need to be there, he's proven himself, he's a great hand. And he's good at centre back, so like it's not a, it wouldn't be something that he'd have to train hard to do. He knows that position. He's played there longer than he's played in the forward. So, um, look, it'd be something for me to look at. Obviously, yeah. he's not would have brought him on there, but it'd be something that I'd have in the back of my mind. Just 
as a backup plan because yeah. the subs even going to bring on aren't aren't really tall men and they aren't ball winners in the air. So I just it, it would definitely be concerned to me. That's all. No, it definitely would. So performance of the weekend, lads. We're not going to do another slot because we're nearly out of time. Chris Crummy, who we've mentioned, Connor Burke, who we've mentioned. Even though, like, I mean, playing as a sweeper, like you're saying, Mick, is a completely different ball game than maybe playing an orthodox wing back next yeah. uh, next week. Dermot Burns, uh, he's always good. Cotton Malone, I thought, did well for Clare on Keane Lynch. Garod Hegarty was outstanding. It comes down between two men, Donald Burke and Tony Kelly. And Tony Kelly. Um, you'd have to say we we'll start with Donald Burke, JJ, and. Brendan Cummins said last night on the Sunday game, he was talking about the way he holds the hurl. Can you explain this to me? Because I don't, I know I understand shortening the grip, but was there something else to this? Yeah, no, you'd be kind of left handed hurler, I suppose, and um, bit of look unorthodox, I suppose, especially for a forward, really. But um, yeah, look, he got on the ball, he was started third, well, he's named 13, but he was out uh, number 11 there, so he had a lot of freedom around the, around the around Crow Park as well. But he, what I liked about him was when he got the ball, everyone kind of kind of went back to his own pace. He kind of, the, the match kind of just slowed down to, to his pace. Never seemed to be in trouble. Didn't look he was going to panic um, at any situation there whatsoever. And he hit in the freeze very well. But then with the goal, he was 45 yards out when he when he got the ball in his hand first. But he was bold enough to go for the goal as well. Like, it was very easy just kind of to take a sidestep and take your point and go back, go back there again. But yeah. it's a huge plus for Dublin as well coming into it. He wasn't there last year. He's a, he looks like a natural forward there as well for, for Dublin too. So he was um, brilliant on the freeze um, to the likes of David Tracy and Paul Ryan weren't even on the panel. So that's that's the kind of uh, the kind of um, Matthew Kenny could put a lot of faith in him that he he was going to miss he was going to score every single one of them. Um, so huge plus for Matty and he'd be delighted with with Donald Burke's performance there as well. But Leach didn't lay a glove on him at all and I think he'll be a marked man come next Saturday night to be fair. Oh, you can be sure of that. But mentioning his goal, JJ, like, I mean, surely that goes down as poor defending from Leash. Like, you have Milani who could have come across. Now, I know he was worried about Crummy, but who are you going, yeah. to, who are you going to worry about in that situation if you were marking Crummy or Donald, or Donald Burke? Like, I mean, who who's the bigger danger there? And then you have Clear the cor- playing cornerback for, for Leash who also could have come across and intercepted him. Like, how unforgivable is that at the highest level? to allow a fella run from almost midfield straight through to score a goal without a glove being put on him. Yeah, in defence to Ryan, I'd say he just didn't want to make the decision for, for the, the forward. Um, what I mean by that is he didn't want to rush at Donald Burke and Donald would just hand-pass it over over his head and give it to Chris Crummy. So I'd say he wanted to leave to the last minute till, till he went to go tackle him. But unfortunately, he, um, Donald was too quick for him. He was gone past yeah. the, the point of, of no return there for Ryan and Farsley. But yeah, look, but then again, you have to give Donald credit for it. He never panicked. He went straight through and he finished it very, very as well too. I don't think, um, yeah, we could we could blame the defence, all right, but um, I'd have to give Donald a lot, lot of credit now. He, he was bold enough to go for it and he's seen the gap and he went for it. So I'd have to give the forward credit this, this situation. From a corner back, I can't believe it, or a half back, or the full back. And whatever. But that was one thing you were always famous for, JJ, and you've explained it on the show is that at what point do you stop worrying about your man and you sniff out yeah. some danger? Like, I mean, the good players will know. Like, for example, if that was against Kilkenny, you wouldn't even, I felt somebody just watching it wouldn't even notice how good a defending that is because the goal just doesn't come. Yeah. It looks routine it looks routine if you know when to go across and stop that bit of danger. Yeah, you need trust, you need that that was a conversation for a game. That that that's when that needs to be had. So if I go, the cornerback has to come to cover my man. You can't just man mark your own guy because you man mark your own guy. My man didn't score, but we could we can see the goal. That's not good to the team whatsoever. So if Ryan did have to go he he's no he doesn't have eyes in the back he said back of his head. 
he needs a shout from the guy behind him, his cornerback, his wing back, come back covering for him. Now, maybe he did and didn't hear him, or, or else there wasn't anyone there. If there wasn't anyone there, that's where the issues are. So that means that the, the leash guys are not defending as a unit, they're defending as individuals. And if you defend as an individual out in Crow Park, you won't survive. You need the, the six on six or the seven on six, and the way things are going with the sweepers as well. So, again, that's another point. They had a sweeper there as well. So there should have been someone covering that, yeah. that aspect of the, of the defending. But it wasn't there um, Saturday night, unfortunately, and they paid a huge price for it. If everybody just worries about their own man, Mick, it only takes a corner back to go past his corner forward and he can run up the whole way, the whole length of the field and score a goal. Absolutely. I, I, I think Malali just got caught out with his pace as well. Yeah, done. I think you're right on that. JJ was, made that point. Yeah, he between and then by the time Burke got to him and he decided to make that tackle, I just think Burke's pace caught him out and he couldn't catch him at that stage. So, look, it's, it's a tough one as a defender. You never want to see someone run from 50 yards and scoring a goal but um, look both defenders I think they learn from it that you have to go and meet him at a certain stage before he, he, he passes that level where you're not going to catch him so but hopefully the two lads learn from it and won't happen again in the future yeah exactly so Tony Kelly lads there's not much more to say about Tony Kelly 8 from play 8 from play 17 in total and 12 in the first half like I mean if there's one thing you'd say the two frees he missed at the start of the second half were actually heartbreaking for Clare. Like, I can't believe I'm putting a, 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 a dampener on this performance. But it's almost, it's, just, it's almost unfair, the level of responsibility he's, he has for Clare now, JJ. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Like you're kind of saying, Tony Kelly scored six, seven, eight points. You're, you're, you're not even blinking at that anymore. He just, he's, so, he's, he's such a phenomenal hurler. Like he's a brilliant, brilliant guy to watch. But he must be looking down the dressing room after the game. I'm after scoring eight points from play here now. And yeah. Like, Limerick had 11 different goals, different scores, um, clear only had five, yeah. and one of them got 17 points. You know, can be, you're kind of saying, come on guys, I need a dig out here, not come on, yeah. <laughs> I need a hand here, you know, which is just, um, but I'd say, but he was absolutely brilliant. When he's on that form, he, he just saw Markville. Taking into account that he only scored a point in the similar game last year as well, but go from one point from play to eight points from play, it's phenomenal scoring. Yeah, so that's like I mean, you know, if you were another forward on that Clare team, Mick, you'd almost want to go up to Tony and shake his hand and apologise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, there'd definitely be that feeling if you were a player beside him and he didn't contribute anything. But look, Tony just makes things look easier than anyone else. Like the pace he comes on to them breaking balls, where you normally you might see them bounce off someone's hurl or leg, or like, they're not easy balls to come on and control. And he makes it look so easy when he when he's coming full force and picking them up. And, Look, when he gets the ball in his hand, he's so hard to stop because he's, he's strong, he's dynamic, and, and he's so accurate. And especially when he gets the ball on the right-hand side of the pitch, he loves breaking into the middle. And if he gets that any space at all, he puts a good pair of wrists. He's so hard to hook and block. So, look, he, he was brilliant yesterday, and I'm delighted for him because he gets a bit of a stick for not performing too often for Clare, but it's just the attention he gets. So, he, he was phenomenal yesterday, and... When he when he's when he's like that, he's just impossible to mark. Yeah, so no, no, he definitely is. There's no doubt about it. So performance of the weekend, it has to go to Tony Kelly. Les Donald Burke got one sixteen, one four from play, but that was it. You know, in an easy win, Tony Kelly got seventeen points, um, eight from play when his team were well beaten. So, like, I mean, I think that's fair enough. And Tony Kelly's picking up about his tenth performance of the weekend award here, um, <laughs> here on the show. So, so fair play to him. Listen, Les, we'll leave it there. We'll be back next Thursday, and like JJ. Mentioned, it's all going to it's all cranking up next weekend you've Munster semi-finals and Leinster semi-finals and uh, we'll see where we go we'll preview them on Thursday with Cheddar and Brian I'm sure um, and we'll talk to you then good luck 
I when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd still go. And so it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, hard, I'm heartbroken. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.